Department of Justice has now won full or partial convictions in 100% of the January 6th jury trials, folks. Okay, a couple of things. Um, Okay, 100 million lawsuit that Trump filed against New York Times and Mary Trump for... um, Exposing his uh, tax fraud with those documents, so uh, it was protected free speech, First Amendment stuff. So um, it was thrown out, and the um, haha, and um, the judge awarded attorney fees to the New York Times and Mary Trump. Congratulations, Mary. And uh hope I hope uh you get back all the millions that he stole from you and your inheritance. I also asked at one time uh, um you know, still open. I would love for Mary Trump to be my mentor. Well, just you should just go Get your certification as a psychotherapist, and then you'll be on equal footing. Yeah, that's a good idea. I'll write that down. Um, certification. As a counselor, at least, or a counseling certification. Um, I already have a master's. Oxford University, and that was my specialty, is uh, one of my specialties. Women's psychology, I was a psychology teacher. Anyway, let's get back to this awesome Midas Touch show. Is the Midas Touch podcast. I and Micellus joined and by Mar- Brett and Celeste. Jordy Micellus. We're all on East Micellus. Coast time. Let's go. Ben Let's Micellus. go. We're East Coast time. We're adapting, Brett and I. It's a struggle. Yeah, it's it's a struggle, guys. <laughs> it's the, the East Coast life is a struggle. See, we get to look like we have superhuman powers, I think, when we're on the West Coast, because we it looks like, wow, they're up really late, working really late, and we could still get up like at a normal time and and relatively be on top of things but this just ruins the whole thing you see the dark circles under my eyes you see us working 15 hour days but we're here (laughs) to deliver you all the facts man the doj a hundred percent conviction rate or partial conviction i mean that is absolutely unbelievable ben that's a lot of antifa and blm Mm. protesters going oh wait Oh, wait, the Proud Boys were there. Oh, Oh, wait, seditious conspiracy. It feels like just yesterday, actually, when we heard uh, Fox News incessantly make comments like, they keep calling it sedition. But I haven't seen anybody charged with sedition. Well, guess what? How, how many how many guilty, seditious conspiracy charges do we have now? Like a dozen or, or more? I think it's 14 convictions. Oh Three separate seditious conspiracy trials. I think there has been 14 seditious conspiracy convictions. You know what I got to say to that? Keep going, Merrick. Keep going, Jack. Keep working. (laughs) (laughs) Another major court loss for Donald Trump. Donald Trump's $100 million. He just like makes up these numbers. $100 million defamation case 
against the New York Times for accurately reporting on his tax fraud, guess what? It was dismissed by a New York. At least 14 seditious conspiracy trials prosecuted so far by the Justice Department. The latest Proud Boys conviction of Tario Enrique could get 50 years in prison. Ha ha. I bet Diaper Don sees that, and that's why he split the country. And not only that, but the New York Times was awarded attorney's fees, likely hundreds of thousands of dollars. Another Donald Trump and Alina Haba specialty for you right there. And this... As the New York State Court judge presiding over the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal case against Donald Trump stated that trial was going to take place, is going to take place in February or March 2024, and that a protective order would be in place, get this, restraining Donald Trump from threatening another major court loss for Donald Trump. Donald Trump's $100 million, he just like makes up these numbers, $100 million, <laughs> another major court loss for Donald Trump, Donald Trump's $100 million, he just like makes up these numbers, $100 million defamation case against the New York Times for accurately reporting on his tax fraud, guess what? It was dismissed by a New York court. Wow, and not wow. only that, but the New York Times was awarded attorney's fees, likely hundreds of thousands of dollars. Another Donald Trump and Alina Haba specialty. Right there. <laughs> and this, as the New York State Court judge presiding over the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal case against Donald Trump, stated that Trial was going to take place, is going to take place in February or March 2024, and that a protective order would be in place, get this, restraining Donald Trump from threatening another major court loss for Donald Trump, Donald Trump's $100 million, he just like makes up these numbers, $100 million defamation case against the New York Times for accurately reporting on his tax fraud, guess what? It was dismissed by a New York court. Wow, and not wow. only that, but the New York Times was awarded attorney's fees, likely hundreds of thousands of dollars. Another Donald Trump and Alina Haba specialty. <laughs> right there. And this, as the New York State Court judge presiding over the Manhattan District Attorney's criminal case against Donald Trump stated that trial was going to take place, is going to take place in February or March 2024, and that a protective order would be in place, get this, restraining Donald Trump from threatening another major court loss for Donald Trump. Donald Trump's $100 million, he just like makes up these numbers, $100 million defamation case against the New York Times.
Okay, um, three hours ago. Justice Thomas Scandal gets even worse with bombshell new report. It's time for me to get set up for therapy, and I use this room as my office. But the desk is over here, and so... The GOP has called Justice Clarence Thomas a GOAT, greatest of all time. And for once, I think both sides of the aisle can agree, but for vastly different reasons. There is breaking news about yet another financial tie between Harlan Crow and Justice Clarence Thomas. My name is Dina Seigdahl, reporting for Midas Touch Network. Let's break this down. Now, we have seen a lot in the news about Where Justice Thomas and the other conservative justices and their actions and how that appears to be unethical, definitely creating impropriety issues involving Justice Thomas, Justice Gorsuch, Chief Justice Roberts, and Justice Kavanaugh. Yeah. But the issues around just the GOP has called Justice Clarence Thomas a GOAT, greatest of it's all time. And for the most corrupt and anti-American party in the history of the United States, how do House Judiciary GOP, Archie, if you think Justice Thomas is the fucking GOAT. I think both sides of the aisle can agree, but for vastly different reasons. There is breaking news about yet another Clarence financial Thomas tie between Harlan Crow had a child in private school. Harlan Crow paid the tuition. Wow. And Justice Clarence Thomas. My name is Dina Seigdahl, reporting for Midas Touch Network. Dina Let's break Seigdahl? this down. We have seen a lot in the news about Justice Thomas Gina? and the other Gina. conservative justice between Harlan Crow and Justice Clarence Thomas. My name is Dina Seigdahl, reporting for Midas Gina Touch Seigdahl. Network. Let's break this down. We have seen a lot in the news about Justice Thomas and the other conservative justices and their actions and how that appears to be unethical, definitely creating impropriety issues involving Justice Thomas, Justice Gorsuch, Chief Justice Roberts, and Justice Kavanaugh. But the issues around Justice Clarence Thomas are by far the worst. And yet another detail has come out. We know about Harlan Crow. He's the billionaire friend of Justice Thomas that has paid for lavish gifts on yachts and private islands. Then we discovered that he also bought his mother's home. His mother's still living in that home. Then the detail came out, although Justice Thomas said that Harlan Crow didn't have any business in front of the court, that in fact one of the affiliated companies did have business in front of the Supreme Court. Never mind the fact that Harlan Crow also supports right-wing organizations that certainly... Call Justice Department 202-514-2000. Demand all six... No. Justices investigated for corruption and remove them if necessary. have lobbied, done amicus briefs, tons of cases in front of the Supreme Court. Now, the latest that we are hearing is that 
Harlan Crow paid for the school tuition of Justice Clarence Thomas's grandnephew who lived with him, who he adopted as a son. Yes, that is true. And this is not speculation. For one, there are receipts. There is uh, documentation showing a $6,000 tuition school payment to one of the two private schools that Harlan Crow helped pay for. But not only that, we also have a statement from a family lawyer of Clarence Thomas who reaffirms that, yes, in fact, Harlan Crow has been paying for this school tuition. The school tuition payments can be up to $150,000. Let that sink in. When this all came out, first of all, about the yachts and the private islands, you know, Justice Thomas tried to say that this was entertainment and he didn't realize he had to disclose it. And that because of the change in the rules, he now will. Right. That was his first thing. He had consulted people and it was unclear, unclear whether or not a private jet was the equivalent of a steak dinner. Okay, that was already really far-fetched, especially for somebody who's supposed to have judgment because you're a Supreme Court. Low battery. The beginning. We are much farther down the line with payments regarding school tuition. There is nothing that justifies, there's no entertainment exclusion that justifies a school tuition payment. I mean, the part, the reason why we want these ethical standards we don't want people to be able to buy Supreme Court justices. We certainly never want them to buy any judge, state or federal judge. But as we've talked about, they have higher standards than even a Supreme Court justice who has the power to make the kind of law like Dobbs overturning Roe v. Wade, despite the vast majority of the public supporting Roe v. Wade. So it's under that realm that we are looking at payments of tuition. Now, Mark Paletta, the family lawyer, family friend of Justice Thomas, issues a statement about these tuition payments, and he doesn't deny that they happened. Now, in case you don't remember, Mark Paletta, he's the one that was pictured with Justice Clarence Thomas and Harlan Crow and Leonardo Leo, the Federalist Society leader. So this is a very cozy bunch, and he's justifies basically Harlan Crow's payments by saying that Harlan had financially supported Braniff Marcone, that's this is the school, since the 1980s and funded scholarships for students from disadvantaged backgrounds. <laughs> okay? Like as if <laughs> Justice Clarence <laughs> Thomas's grandnephew is a student from disadvantaged backgrounds. Oh, now it's true, I don't know uh, what his... Um, <laughs> parents' circumstances were. But at this point, he's living with Justice Clarence Thomas. This is a Supreme Court justice, one of the most privileged positions in the, the world. And, you know, him and his wife make quite a good income. But the justification here is that Harlan Crow likes to support disadvantaged students. And then he goes on to say that he, that they, that they paid that the payment went directly to the school. And in the statement, he says this both about both of the schools, the boarding school and the regular private school. He says that in both instances, the payments went directly to the school. 
as if somehow that makes a difference. Tuition payments often go directly to the school. So just because you didn't issue the check from your bank does not mean you didn't benefit when somebody else sent the tuition payment for you. So that distinction does not exist, but that's the best they can do here. The best they can do here is try to claim that because the payment went directly to school, it doesn't somehow benefit the parent who is now getting free education. So that's kind of ridiculous, and this is where we're at. And then um, on the other hand, they're saying that somehow this is supporting disadvantaged youth. Again, the most privileged person maybe in the world is sending their grandnephew to a private school and a private boarding school, and somehow this is being justified. Here's the kicker, too. It's not as if Justice Clarence Thomas doesn't know that he has to disclose things. He actually did disclose a $5,000 tuition payment earlier that wasn't made by Harlan Crow. And he also disclosed, get this, $1,200 worth of tires as gifts. So here's the thing. You can't have it both ways. You can't say that I'm not aware of the disclosure. I'm not aware of the benefit. Here, he's clearly picking and choosing. He doesn't want to disclose gifts from Harlan Crow because Harlan Crow had business in front of the court through his affiliate company and because he's a serious right-wing lobbyist who has business in front of the court. And this is why people are upset because when you have that kind of power that a single opinion can change lives so dramatically, you should not be able to be bought and you should not appear to be able to be bought. Is that really so hard to ask? So I don't even know if we're done with this story, but certainly the news coming out today shows that if Chief Justice Roberts isn't willing to rein in these improprieties among his nine justices, I think somebody else is going to have to do it. Hey, Midas Mighty, love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Fucking great. Good job, lady. Dina Seidel. Hey, what's up, trumpet players? Matt Brockman here. If you're seeing this, it's because you watched my free masterclass on how to create a professional quality sound without putting in more effort and without having to drain your life savings and new mouthpieces and gear that you don't need. So congrats for watching the free class. However, at the end of the webinar, I offered you a free diagnostic trumpet session and you did not book your session yet. So in case you're on the fence, I just want to clarify exactly what these free one-on-one sessions are all about. First of all, these sessions are led by the best of the best. I've got an all-star team of trumpet coaches and you're going to be paired up with one of them and we're going to go a deep dive into your trumpet playing. We're going to ask you questions about where you're currently at with your trumpet playing, what your goals are, what are your ambitions, what are you currently struggling with, what are your roadblocks right now. We're even going to watch you play. We're going to watch you play a couple of scales. We're going to watch you play a few things. We're going to deep dive, take a look at your posture, take a look at your embouchure, look at your breathing habits. We're really going to do a deep dive of where you are right now, where you want to be, and how we can help you get there. And if our all-star coach decides if we can absolutely help you, then he's going to prescribe you a custom strategy that's going to help you reach your goals and get over whatever roadblocks you discover in your conversation. 
these strategies that we make are custom tailored to exactly what you need and what your current situation you is. We don't give the same strategy to everyone. That's why we really dive deep to find out what your goals are, what your specific problems are, so that we can create a strategy that's custom tailored to you so that you can get the results that you're looking for as quickly as possible. Then after we give you that strategy and you have time to ask as many questions as you like about it, then if you want to work further with us, we'll explain exactly what that looks like. There's absolutely no pressure, no commitments, no hard selling or anything like that. We're going to share with you what working with us looks like, what the program entails, and if we think it's necessary for you to dive even deeper. And of course, then you have the opportunity to ask as many questions as you like to make sure that if it's a good fit for you or not. And if it's not a good fit, then we'll just go our separate ways. No problem. No hard feelings. But if it is a good fit, we'll tell you what the next steps look like if that's something that you want to do. So that's pretty much it. Super chill, super laid back. We'll find out what your goals are, what your ambitions are, and we'll see if we can help you get there. So click the button below, schedule your free diagnostic trumpet session because we have limited spots on our calendar. We want to make sure that you get one of these spots. And if you're watching all the way to the end of this ad, that's a pretty good sign. It means you're probably interested. Even if you're on the fence, just book your session. We'll see if it's a good fit or not. There's no way you're going to know unless you book the session. Bye. You don't want to hear me playing trumpet. Let's see what else Mice Touch is up to these days. McCarthy Center absolutely destroys Clarence Thomas with must-see PayPal. The Supreme Court justices refuse to allow their conduct to be investigated or reviewed. Yeah. My bill would fix that. Here's an example of the no investigations problem. The key fact to determine whether Justice Thomas was bound by law to recuse himself from the first January 6th committee case was what he knew about his wife's insurrection activities and when he knew it. On that fact, uh -huh. the lawfulness of his initial recusal decision turns. Yet Thomas has never been officially asked that question. It's a cover-up in plain view. Oh, that's gonna hurt! There's receipts, <laughs> then there's this. A CBS-level Forestry's Worth scroll of a receipt that Democrat Sheldon Whitehouse brought to the hearing on SCOTUS ethics. From blasting Scalia as a sleeper agent to holding Clarence Thomas to account for his wife's role in the January 6th insurrection, Sheldon Whitehouse came equipped. Thank you, Chairman. We are here today because the Supreme Court is playing out of bounds of the ethics rules for federal judges. Justices read the ethics rules in unique and eccentric ways, and when they're caught out of bounds, they refuse to allow any investigation of the facts. The personal hospitality problems I've been pursuing began with Justice Scalia, who took more than seven dozen undisclosed hunting vacations. Most people know of two, the one where he was on the Air Force Two manifest with Dick Cheney, and the one where he died. There were 70 plus more. It was systematized. Some intermediary would ask the owner of an expensive resort, often a commercial property, to extend to Scalia a personal invitation to the resort. Even where the owner was someone he'd never met, Scalia treated as personal hospitality because of the personal invitation and failed to disclose the vacations. When I challenged the court about this practice, Exhibit 1, I got a blow-off letter. Exhibit two. Basically, nothing to see here.
And then after getting warmed up, the exhibits came out. As he outlined point by point the problematic nature of Justice Thomas's relationship with right-wing billionaires. And when I tell you his surgical takedown is worth a watch, I mean it's worth watching every single second. Exhibit 6. I have no evidence that any federal judge outside the Supreme Court ever used the personal invitation trick. And the judicial conference made up of other judges firmly shut it down. Regular judges would be loath to use that trick because a complaint about it would go into a proper process and would be investigated and measured against the law and the ethics code and a conclusion would be reached and that conclusion could be embarrassing. Only Supreme Court justices refuse to allow their conduct to be investigated or reviewed. My bill would fix that. Here's an example of the no investigations problem. The key fact to determine whether Justice Thomas was bound by law to recuse himself from the first January 6th committee case was what he knew about his wife's insurrection activities and when he knew it. On that fact, the lawfulness of his initial recusal decision turns. Yet Thomas has never been officially asked that question. It's a cover-up in plain view. The Supreme Court alone among federal courts is okay with that. My bill would fix that. Which brings us to Justice yeah, Thomas's recent non-disclosure of supposed personal hospitality from a right-wing billionaire and its problems. First problem, private jet travel is not in the personal hospitality exemption, which is limited to food, lodging, and entertainment. Exhibit 7. Some textualist, by the way. Second problem, Thomas said it was okay because he'd asked colleagues. But that financial disclosure committee... It's there to ask about financial disclosure. Setting aside that its name should give a clue, Thomas knew the committee existed because concerns about his yacht and jet travel gifts from this billionaire were referred there in 2011 after some of these gifts were first revealed in this New York Times story, Exhibit 9. Third problem. There's no legal way not to disclose the property acquisition in Georgia. Fourth problem. Some of this personal hospitality involved people dedicated to turning the court into a tool for right-wing billionaires, namely Leonard Leo. This guy doesn't have business before the court. His business is the court. You guys see this amazing truck? My car insurance company was totally ripping me off for it until I found this. All right, guys, so check this out. $178 was what I was paying for my previous policy for my board. This guy doesn't have business before the court. His business is the court. This disclosure mess has again been referred to the Financial Disclosure Committee, which raises the question of the previous referral to that same committee of the same billionaire's gifts to Thomas of yacht and jet travel. The rules seem to require the committee to report its findings to the Judicial Conference. The records of the Judicial Conference are public, and the records of the Judicial Conference contain no mention of any such report. So what became of the 2011 referral? Did anyone intervene? Is the committee still considering the 2011 referral more than a decade later? There is much yet to learn, which is why last week I sent a letter to the courts asking for further answers. Exhibit 10. Three things are needed to fix all this. Better enforcement, better recusal rules, and better disclosures. My bill would do all three. 
I thank Chairman Durbin for this joint hearing and look forward to getting to the bottom of this mess. Until there is an honest ethics process at the Supreme Court, these messes will continue. The court has conclusively proven that it cannot police itself. Nemo judex in sua causa. I ask unanimous consent that my exhibits be made part of the record. Now, I mean, come on, Senator. Is this really necessary, though? I mean, sure, Clarence Thomas failed to disclose two decades' worth of luxury trips and private jet travel. And the mere fact that right-wing billionaire Harlan Crow bought Thomas's mother a house. The nine individuals whose literal job it is to make rules that every single American must abide by. Those same people have decided, apparently, that they don't need any rules for themselves. Earlier today, Senate Democrats at a Judiciary Committee hearing made the case for Supreme Court ethics reform, calling for a code of conduct yeah. that justices must follow, which is basically just the bare minimum. Yeah. Committee, chair, committee chair and Senator Dick Durbin even pointed out that right now, ethical standards for Supreme Court justices are actually lower than they are for local city council members. The court should have a code of conduct with... Get rid of them all. They're all corrupt. The right wing ones, the right wing nuts. And Trump judges. And enforceable rules. So both justices and the American people know when conduct crosses the line. The highest court in the land should not have the lowest ethical standards. Chief Justice John Roberts snubbed the invite from Senator Durbin last week, offering instead a statement signed by all the justices in which they reaffirm and restate foundational ethics principles and practices to which they abide. Seriously. Huh. But let's just take a look at where those principles and practices have got us thus far, shall we? ProPublica revealed that Justice Clarence Thomas has failed to disclose luxury trips and private jet travel over the course of two decades, gifted to him by wealthy Republican donor and Nazi paraphernalia collector Harlan Crow. He also conveniently failed to disclose that Crow even bought Thomas's mother a house. But is that really unethical? I mean, that happens every day, mm -hmm. right? The highest court in the land should not have the lowest ethical standards. Hey, Midas Mighty, love this report. We continue the conversation. This committee case was what he knew about his wife's insurrection. Only Supreme Court justices refused to allow their conduct to be investigated or reviewed. My bill would fix that. Here's an example of the no investigations problem. The key fact to determine whether Justice Thomas was bound by law to recuse himself from the first January 6th committee case was what he knew about his wife's insurrection activities and when he knew it. On that fact, the lawfulness of his initial recusal decision turns. Yet Thomas has never been officially asked that question. Thank you, hashtag Sheldon Whitehouse, for your work on hashtag ethics reform of the hashtag Supreme Court. Great job, exclamation point. Thank you for speaking up for the rest of us and cleaning up the 
utterly corrupt Supreme Court exclamation point. You are right. The highest na court in the nation should have better than the lowest standards. cover-up in plain view. Oh, that's gonna hurt! There's receipts, then there's this. A CBS-level Forestry's Worth scroll of a receipt that Democrat Sheldon Whitehouse brought to the hearing on SCOTUS ethics. From blasting Scalia as a sleeper agent to holding Clarence Thomas to account for his wife's role in the January 6th insurrection, Sheldon Whitehouse came equipped. Thank you, Chairman. We are here today because the Supreme Court is playing out of bounds of the ethics rules for federal judges. Justices read the ethics rules in unique and eccentric ways, and when they're caught out of bounds, they refuse to allow any investigation of the facts. The personal hospitality problems I've been pursuing began with Justice Scalia, who took more than seven dozen undisclosed hunting vacations. Most people know of two, the one where he was on the Air Force Two manifest with Dick Cheney and the one where he died. There were 70-plus more. It was systematized. Some intermediary would ask the owner of an expensive resort, often a commercial property, to extend to Scalia a personal invitation to the resort. Even where the owner was someone he'd never met, Scalia treated as personal hospitality because of the personal invitation and failed to disclose the vacations. When I challenged the court about this practice, Exhibit 1, I got a blow-off letter. Exhibit two. Basically, nothing to see here. And then, after getting warmed up, the exhibits came out. As he outlined point by point the problematic nature of Justice Thomas's relationship with right-wing billionaires. And when I tell you his surgical takedown is worth a watch, I mean it's worth watching every single second. Exhibit six. I have no evidence that any federal judge outside the Supreme Court ever used the personal invitation trick and the judicial conference made up of other judges firmly shut it down. Regular judges would be loath to use that trick because a complaint about it would go into a proper process and would be investigated and measured against the law and the ethics code, and a conclusion would be reached, and that conclusion could be embarrassing. Only Supreme Court justices refused to allow their conduct to be investigated or reviewed. My bill would fix that. Here's an example of the no investigations problem. The key fact to determine whether Justice Thomas was bound by law to recuse himself from the first January 6th committee case was what he knew about his wife's insurrection activities and when he knew it. On that fact, the lawfulness of his initial recusal decision turns. Yet Thomas has never been officially asked that question. It's a cover-up in plain view. The Supreme Court alone among federal courts is okay with that. My bill would fix that. Which brings us to Justice Thomas's recent non-disclosure of supposed personal hospitality from a right-wing billionaire and its problems. First problem, private jet travel is not in the personal hospitality exemption, which is limited to food, lodging, and entertainment. Exhibit 7. Some textualist, by the way. Second problem. Thomas said it was okay because he'd asked colleagues. But that financial disclosure committee, it's there to ask about financial disclosure. Setting aside that its name should give a clue, Thomas knew the committee existed 
because concerns about his yacht and jet travel gifts from this billionaire were referred there in 2011, after some of these gifts were first revealed in this New York Times story, Exhibit 9. They did nothing. Third problem. There's no legal way not to disclose the property acquisition in Georgia. Fourth problem. Some of this personal hospitality involved people dedicated to turning the court into a tool for right-wing billionaires, namely Leonard Leo. This guy doesn't have business before the court. His business is the court. This disclosure mess has again been referred to the Financial Disclosure Committee, which raises the question of the previous referral to that same committee of the same billionaire's gifts to Thomas of yacht yeah. and jet travel. The rules seem to require the committee to report its findings to the Judicial Conference. The records of the Judicial Conference are public, and the records of the Judicial Conference contain no mention of any such report. So what became of the 2011 referral? Did anyone intervene? Is the committee still considering the 2011 referral more than a decade later? There is much yet to learn, which is why last week I sent a letter to the courts asking for further answers. Exhibit 10. Three things are needed to fix all this. Better enforcement, better recusal rules, and better disclosures. My bill would do all three. I thank Chairman Durbin for this joint hearing and look forward to getting to the bottom of this mess. Until there is an honest ethics right, process right. at the Supreme Court, Good these job. messes will continue. The court has conclusively yeah. proven that it cannot job, police Sheldon. itself. Nemo judex in sua causa. I ask unanimous consent that my exhibits be made part of the record. Now, I mean, come on, Senator. Is this really necessary, though? I mean, sure, Clarence Thomas failed to disclose two decades' worth of luxury trips and private jet travel, and the mere fact that right-wing billionaire Harlan Crow bought Thomas's mother a house. The nine individuals whose literal job it is to make rules that every single American must abide by. Those same people have decided, apparently, that they don't need any rules for themselves. Earlier today, Senate Democrats at a Judiciary Committee hearing made the case for Supreme Court ethics reform, calling for a code of conduct that justices must follow, which is basically just the bare minimum. Committee chair, committee chair and Senator Dick Durbin even pointed out that right now, ethical standards for Supreme Court justices are actually lower than they are for local city council members. The court should have a code of conduct with clear and enforceable rules. So both justices and the American people know when conduct crosses the line. The highest court in the land should not have the lowest ethical standards. Chief Justice John Roberts snubbed the invite from Senator Durbin last week, offering instead a statement signed by all the justices in which they reaffirm and restate foundational ethics principles and practices to which they abide. Seriously. But let's just take a look at where those principles and practices have got us thus far, shall we? ProPublica revealed that Justice Clarence Thomas has failed to disclose luxury trips and private jet travel over the court. Investigate all nine justices. They all signed that letter. They are protecting their themselves. All in on it. They are protecting themselves.
two decades, gifted to him by wealthy Republican donor and Nazi paraphernalia collector Harlan Crow. He also conveniently failed to disclose that Crow even bought Thomas's mother a house. But is that really unethical? I mean, that happens every day, right? The highest court in the land should not have the lowest ethical standards. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Trial of Trump co-conspirators reaches stunning conclusion eight hours ago. Ever tried to play guitar, but your fingers wouldn't cooperate? It's not your fingers' fault. In fact, it. This is Michael Popak, Legal AF, with breaking news. Well, Donald Trump's army, the Proud Boys, are going to jail for a long, long time. We've got the jury back with their verdict after seven days of deliberation and chalk one up to the Department of Justice. Not only did they prevail, in five out of the six being convicted at the highest level of seditious conspiracy, including the founder, uh, Tario of Miami. We'll talk about all of them next. But they were also very, very successful in front of Judge Kelly in in the D.C. Circuit Court to convince that judge to expand how conspiracy is proven against organizations like the Proud Boys. Because for really one of the first times, and this is now becoming, this will become a new uh, part of the playbook for the Department of Justice going forward. The Department of Justice was able to prove conspiracy without showing any physical evidence like emails or social media or otherwise, showing that there was an actual physical expressed agreement to overthrow the government. Instead, they were able, through the judge's interpretation of conspiracy law, to bring in all sorts of um, implicit evidence to demonstrate a tacit agreement without having that smoking gun of an actual text or email that says, hey, five of you, Nordine, Biggs, Rel, Tario, and Reza, Let's all get together and overthrow the country. That wasn't necessary in order to prove the conspiracy. And that expands the Department of Justice's ability to convict at the highest levels of seditious conspiracy. They could be looking at up to 50 years in prison as a result. This is the exact same set of uh, charges that the jury convicted on as happened against the Oath Keepers, that other paramilitary white supremacist neo-Nazi organization that Donald Trump used to his benefit in order to manipulate them to try to overthrow the country, stop the transition of power, and obstruct the certification of the election. Now, there was a little bit of a um, deadlock by the jury on one of, you'll, you'll hear about it, on one of the defendants, on Dominic Pezzola, goes by the name of Spaz, one of the most violent members of that group who, who already got convicted of using a police shield to break through the line and help attack the Capitol. But separately, the question was, was there enough evidence against him particularly to demonstrate that he was part of a conspiracy? And the jury has just come back hopelessly deadlocked 
at the judge having given them the appropriate charge, it's called an Allen charge, to force them time and time again to go back to the drawing board and try to reach a verdict one way or the other, either to acquit or a guilty verdict. But after seven days and yet another instruction by the judge to try one more time, the jury's hopelessly deadlocked on on Spaz, on Pozzola, why? On one count, on seditious conspiracy, him having been convicted of some other very bad crimes that will put him away in jail. And now Why the Department of jo Justice has Why a choice because now that a mistrial has just been declared by the judge, they can retry in front of another jury just him. Hmm. You know, just bring Pozzola back idea. for a one person, People one defendant. Uh, presentation. They now have the benefit of knowing what works and doesn't work in front of a jury. It's not even a mock jury. It's a real jury has told them how to tighten up the presentation of their case from the Department of Justice right standpoint and how to make that conspiracy count. It'll be in front of the same judge, Judge Kelly, and they can try it. Or the Department of Justice can say, you know what? Discretion's the better part of valor. We're about 19 and 0, which they are. They're about 12 and 0 in seditious conspiracy. This is only the second time that they've gotten a jury hung up on account in all the major trials that they put on. The Department of Justice is basically batting about 900 um, and put the Oath Keepers out of business. Now, the Proud Boys, different story. For whatever reason, the Proud Boys are highly political. And even though their founder, Tario, is now a convicted of the highest level seditious conspiracy, and the others as well, they're like involved with politics in uh, Ron DeSantis's Florida, in Miami, the Republican executive committee for the party has Proud Boys on it. Now let's take a quick break to talk about our next sponsor, Paired. My wife and I, we're impossible. super competitive people, especially with each other. The other day, we were going back and forth. And the others as well. They're like involved with politics in uh, Ron DeSantis's Florida, in Miami. The Republican executive committee for the party has Proud Boys on it. Now let's take a quick break to talk about our next sponsor, Paired. My wife and I, we're super competitive people, especially with each other. The other day, we were going back and forth about, well, who knew our relationship history better? So we took to Paired. Paired, it's a relationship app for couples. You and the others were also convicted of seditious conspiracy. The other interesting thing about this trial, besides the fact that Judge Kelly set a precedent to allow the Department of Justice a very expansive, expansive way to prove conspiracy, I mean, they had access, the Department of Justice, to a half a million text messages and social media uh, postings, but they weren't able to find that smoking gun. So they had to use cooperating witnesses, two members of the Proud Boy who both um, uh, took a plea, one particularly of seditious conspiracy, so he's a felon, so Jeremy Bertino. And uh, Matthew Green both testified in the case against the other five and said the other five were the leaders and they used the others on the ground as, my words, meat puppets 
right? They use them as tools. They pushed the buttons, and these other insurrectionists did the dirty work and broke through the barricades in the battle, battle with the police, attacked the, our cradle of democracy, tried to assassinate members of Congress, um, and try to stop the peaceful transfer of power. But those five weren't there. Some of them were nearby, but not on the Capitol. Tario wasn't even in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, and he got convicted of seditious conspiracy because that idiot, that criminal, that that um, sedition, a seditionist, he uh, tore down and burned a BLM flag two days before and got convicted of that and got basically banned and barred from going to Washington, D.C. on Jan 6th. But he got convicted. So this is a tremendous coup for the Department of Justice. It validates their attempt to use an expansive conspiracy theory. To, and they were able to put up in front of the jury, not just the words of these five people, but like these misogynist, anti-Semitic, uh, pro-Trump, anti-U.S., anti-democracy statements made by others, and then pin it on these individuals in the conspiracy hub that we talk a lot about on a podcast that I founded, co-founded and co-anchored called Legal AF, about how conspiracy is used by prosecutors to tie together these disparate data points and people and put them together as long as they can, at the heart of it, there's a tacit agreement. And this judge ruled it doesn't have to, of course, be in writing. Hey, let's all get together and do it. You don't need that. There can be an implicit agreement, a tacit agreement, and that's what the cooperating witnesses testified to. Great day for justice, great day for the Department of Justice, and, and uh, Spaz Pizzoli. Trump asked her what was something she um, And put the Oath Keepers out of business. Now, the Proud Boys, different story. For whatever reason, the Proud Boys are highly political. And even though their founder, Tario, is now a convicted of the highest level seditious conspiracy, and the others as well, they're like involved with politics in uh, Ron DeSantis's Florida, in Miami, the Republican executive committee for the party has Proud Boys on it. Now let's take a quick break to talk about our next sponsor, Paired. My wife and... Why are... Why are Proud Boys allowed to be on the Republican Executive Committee in Miami? Yeah, trial. Besides the fact that Judge Kelly set a precedent to allow the Department of Justice a very expansive, expansive way to prove conspiracy. I mean, they had access, the Department of Justice, to a half a million text messages and social media uh, postings, but they weren't able to find that smoking gun. So they had to use cooperating witnesses, two members of the Proud Boy, who both um, uh, took a plea, 
one particularly of seditious conspiracy, so he's a felon. So Jeremy Bertino and uh, Matthew Green both testified in the case against the other five and said the other five were the leaders and they used the others on the ground as, my words, meat puppets, right? They used them as tools. They pushed the buttons and these other insurrectionists did the dirty work and broke through the barricades and the battle, battle with the police, attacked our cradle of democracy, try to assassinate members of Congress um, and try to stop the peaceful transfer of power. But those five weren't there. Some of them were nearby, but not on the Capitol. Tario wasn't even in Washington, D.C. on January 6th, and he got convicted of seditious conspiracy because that idiot, that criminal, that that um, sedition, uh, seditionist, he... Uh, tore down and burned a BLM flag two days before and got convicted of that and got basically banned and barred from a, going to Washington, D.C. on Jan 6. But he got convicted. So this is a tremendous coup for the Department of Justice. It validates their attempt to use an expansive conspiracy theory. To, and they were able to put up in front of the jury not just the words of these five people, but like these misogynist good job justice department now what about all those <clears throat> 160 plus members of congress who are insurrectionists they are insurrectionists as well We demand you charge and remove them at once. Anti-Semitic, uh, pro-Trump, anti-U.S., anti-democracy statements made by others and then pin it on these individuals in the conspiracy hub that we talk a lot about on a podcast that I founded, co-founded and co-anchored called Legal AF, about how conspiracy is used by prosecutors to tie together these disparate data points and people and put them together as long as they can, at the heart of it, there's a tacit agreement. And this judge ruled it doesn't have to, of course, be in writing. Hey, let's all get together and do it. You don't need that. There can be an implicit agreement, a tacit agreement, and that's what the cooperating witnesses testified to. Great day for justice, great day for the Department of Justice, and and uh, Spaz Pozzola, just because this jury <laughs> got hung up on Thanks, one of your counts, having convicted you already of others. The Department of Justice is not, maybe not done with you, because they could try this case again, a streamlined version of it, for a new jury probably in front of the same judge, on the same expansive conspiracy theory and walk away this time with a clean verdict of a guilt and a, and a guilty verdict. And we're going to have to see what the Department of Justice does next. This is probably the last round of seditious conspiracy prosecutions and trials for a while until we get to see what the final charges are against people like Donald Trump, John Eastman, 
Mark Meadows, Rudy Giuliani, Dan Scavino, and the like. But in terms of the people on the ground on Jan 6th, we had three waves of prosecutions, two on the Oath Keeper side, putting them out of business and sending them all off to jail for, for seditious conspiracy, and one here on this group of leaders for the Proud Boys. I'm going to follow this kind of stuff, as I always do, on hot takes, just like this one, on the Midas Touch Network. If you like the content that I'm bringing you and you want it uninterrupted, then give me a uh, thumbs up on this YouTube and comment. I read the comments. Sometimes I talk back to the comments. It helps improve what you watch and what we do. On Wednesdays and Saturdays, I co-anchor that podcast I talked about, Legal AF. We sit at the intersection of law and politics, those politically charged litigation matters that you want to know about. We bring them to you. I do it with two co-anchors of mine, Karen Friedman Ignifolo, former top prosecutor, Ben Micellis, founder, co-founder of Midas Touch and a civil rights lawyer in his own right. We, we curate the best stories and bring them to you on Wednesdays and Saturdays. And you can follow me, Michael awesome Popak, on all things social media, including Twitter, at MS Popak. This is Michael Popak reporting. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report. Yeah. We continue the conversation by following. Anyway, let's see what else you guys got. Keep it going, man. Trump post most dangerous video of himself yet. Oh, do this to clear out stuck poop fast. Oh, Fiber helps you poop, right? Ew. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. While Donald Trump has essentially fled the United States of America <laughs> to head to Scotland while he is on trial in federal court in the E. Jean Carroll case that hasn't stopped him from making very deranged and disgusting and vile and dangerous posts on his social media platform. And it is so utterly disgraceful that large media networks want to normalize this behavior and try to give it the both sides treatment. We see that most specifically right now with CNN, but frankly, all of these large media networks treat this as just another alternative, just a presidential candidate. No, what he is describing is fascism. What he is saying is similar to the things that Hitler said. What he is saying, the plan that he is talking about is fascism. I want to show you what he just posted on his social media platform, and it's another video of himself, and again, a very dangerous, dangerous video. And Here's what he says in the post. He goes, protecting students from the radical left and Marxist maniacs. And he basically says that all of these universities are taken over by Marxism, and there's, he calls them Marxist equity programs, and it's just complete BS. Donald Trump and the MAGA Republican Party are extremists. They are the radicals. They are the fascists who want to destroy our way. Demand court ordered psychiatric evaluation. That will prove he is certifiably insane. And they will take him away. He will get away with everything, but they will take him away. Haha. <laughs>
life here in the United States of America and replace it for their weird, MAGA, fascist, misogynistic idiocracy. That is what they're looking to. You don't believe me? Watch this clip of Donald Trump. Play it right here. For many years, tuition costs at colleges and universities have been exploding. Exploding. And I mean absolutely exploding. While academics have been obsessed with indoctrinating America's youth, the time has come to reclaim our once great educational institutions from the radical left, and we will do that. Our secret weapon will be the college accreditation system.